Philippians 2, 19-30 I hope in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you soon, that I also may be cheered when I receive news about you. I have no one else like him who will show genuine concern for your welfare, for everyone looks out for their own interests, not those of Jesus Christ. But you know that Timothy has proved himself because, as a son with his father, he has served with me in the work of the gospel. I hope, therefore, to send him to you soon, as I see how things go with me. And I am confident in the Lord that I myself will come soon. But I think it is necessary to send back to you, Epaphroditus, my brother, co-worker and fellow soldier. He is also your messenger, whom you sent to take care of my needs. For he longs for all of you and sees distress because you heard he was ill. Indeed he was ill and almost died, but God had mercy on him. And not on him only, but also on me, to spare me sorrow upon sorrow. Therefore, I am all the more eager to send him, so that when you see him again, you may be glad, and I may, ha and I may have less anxiety. So then welcome him in the Lord with great joy, and honour people like him, because he almost died for the work of Christ. He risked his life to make up for the help that you yourselves could not give me. Christmas cards are a bit of a day in art these days, aren't they? But even rarer now is the Christmas newsletter. Have you ever had one of these? We still get some lovely ones um, that we're really pleased to receive from friends. And it, they fill you in on their news from the past year. But I have heard of ones that can cause you to do a bit of an eye roll. So these days, if you want to brag about how perfect your life is, you go on Instagram. But back in the day, people used to send you letters about how, you know, about how marvellous work was since yet another promotion. How Tarquin had just spent his gap year replanting the Amazon and rescuing a lost tribe. How Cressida was head of several societies at her red brick uni and was at acing all her subjects. And isn't life busy with all those sporting achievements and charity work? Good job they enjoyed a gourmet cooking holiday in Tuscany. That kind of thing. You feel exhausted just reading it and you look around at your own achievements, just about coping, didn't get the sack and the children aren't in prison yet. Well, in this bit of the letter to the Philippians, Paul highlights not his family, but two fellow gospel workers, Timothy and Epaphroditus. And at first glance, it looks like it's just sort of travel plans. You know, I'm sending you two blokes. Here's why. But in the context of what we've been looking at in chapter two, we can see that they're prime living examples of people who are living out their salvation in fear and trembling. Two people who really demonstrate that they have the mindset, same mindset as Jesus, letting go of their own interests, considering others as more important than themselves. Great examples of people living for Jesus and living like Jesus.
But what do we do when presented with someone who is really good at something? Well, if you're Australian, uh, our tendency is to treat them like a tall poppy, isn't it? To react like I have to those Christmas letters and knock them down. Or if you're also British like me, you'll tend to have an inferiority complex and despair that you could never be like that. Look, Australians have got a healthy high regard for humility, I think. We don't like people with inflated opinions of themselves. We don't like people showing off. And we've got zero tolerance for pretense. But as Paul tells us about Timothy and Epaphroditus, his mind is fixed on Jesus, on the good news about him spreading far and wide, in becoming more like him. So rather than begrudge these two, Let's be more like appreciative co-workers, like we're being helped out by someone working alongside us whose only interest is helping us to do well. They're great examples, but they're not impossible to match up to examples. Epaphroditus we don't know more about than we see in this passage, but Timothy, he's in the book of Acts and Paul's letters heaps. Like Paul's sort of closest ministry buddy. And he's spoken of very highly in this passage, but if you look him up in the rest of the New Testament, you'll find he is timid, that he needs encouraging sometimes, that he needs telling off sometimes, that in other words, he seems to be a fairly normal Christian. So three sections to this talk today then. So first, Timothy and his single-minded care. Epaphroditus and his single-minded service and lastly we'll look at practically putting things putting first so Timothy single-minded care Epaphroditus single-minded service and practically putting first first then Timothy's single-minded care Timothy really genuinely cares about the Philippians because of his love for Jesus so Paul says of him, verse 20, I have no one else like him who will show genuine concern for your welfare. For everyone looks out for their own interests, not those of Jesus Christ. Like him there in verse 20, picks up on the language of chapter 127 and chapter 2 verse 2, of having the same mindset, literally being like sold, the same in outlook and purpose and priorities. Timothy really loves Jesus and is single-minded in putting his interests above his own. And what are Jesus' interests? Looking to the interests of others, even if it means denying your own rights and interests. Even if it means dying for them. So we need to be careful here we don't go away with the message, look, just try harder to care about people. Come on, care. No, Timothy's genuine care comes from loving Jesus. If you keep loving Jesus, you increasingly love the same things as him. Our minds keep being renewed, our character matured, so that increasingly we genuinely care more and more for each other. Because Jesus cares about us. 
Remember that verse that we keep going back to, Philippians chapter 2, verse 13. For it is God who works in you to will and to act in order to fulfill his good purpose. God will grow you in loving Jesus and having his mindset. And loving Jesus means loving his people, loving other Christians. So how do we show that love? By serving one another. Verse 22. But you know that Timothy has proved himself because as a son with his father, he has served with me in the work of the gospel. Timothy's got a track record of investing his life in their lives for Jesus' sake. These are my friends from England. Uh, and we've known each other for 36 years now. And whenever I go back to visit England, catching up with them is always a highlight. And when we do get back together, we just pick up from where we've left off. It's like we're 18 again, except there's less hair and wider waists. And I suppose it's like that because we are like sold, in that we've got so much shared history. We've been shaped by going to the same school, by growing up in the same town, sharing the same social circles. We just know where we're all coming from. We're on the same page in, in so many things. It's so easy and it's always such a great laugh. Now, you can't be best friends with everyone at church, but we are on the same page, like sold, at the very centre of who we are, our very essence for eternity. And as we forget our own interests and put others first, because that's what Jesus did for us, as we partner together, helping one another, live for Jesus and share Jesus, we're forging relationships, striving together at the level of not just being old friends who know each other well, but at the level of gospel partners, at the level of being the very depth of our being, of who we are in Christ. And if we aren't serving one another, that's what we're missing out on. What will it look like for you to have Jesus' interests above your own? We'll think of some practical steps at the end, but a couple of thoughts for now. It's hard to meaningfully care for everyone, but you can invest in, say, the people in your growth group or others at the same age or stage as you in life. Or another way to think of it is, what will putting Jesus' interests first look like in how I spend my time, in my career plans? What will it look, at, look like in my diary for the week, in my bank account, putting Jesus' interests first? Timothy's example of single-minded care gets us to ask ourselves, am I seeking Jesus' interests by putting the needs of others at church above my own and seeking to serve them? and genuinely care about them. If you are struggling to find that genuine care, go back to Jesus. Ask him to work in you, to grow in your love for others, to grow in having his mindset of putting others' interests above his own. So that's Timothy's single-minded care. Now let's have a look at Epaphroditus' single-minded service. Epaphroditus is so secure in his single-minded pursuit of Jesus' interests, he's willing to risk his life in service. Verse 29. 
So then, welcome him, that's Epaphroditus, in the Lord with great joy and honour people like him, because he almost died for the work of, the, of Christ. He risked his life to make up for the help you yourselves could not give me. So Epaphroditus had been sent by the Philippians to take care of Paul's needs in prison. Um, see, Rome had no budget for prisoners' basic needs. If your family or friends didn't pay for you to be fed, you went without. And there was no electronic funds transfer, no e-banking. So Epaphroditus brought the cash in person. Epaphroditus is a great example for us of how not all gospel work is word ministry. So word ministry, sharing the message of the gospel, teaching the Bible, is essential and is always the priority. But there are always jobs to be done in support of that happening. So, for example, our church is greatly benefited, got a lot further than they would have otherwise, because there are gospel workers like Ben and others in our network working behind the scenes, doing gospel work that doesn't, doesn't directly involve the Bible, but is still essential. So poor Epaphroditus, uh, imagine this time next year, restrictions are gone and you decide to drive to Melbourne for the long weekend with the family. Uh, there are kids in the car. You know, you've successfully hypnotised them with their iPads. You've done well, you've made it to Murray Bridge for breakfast and you're making good time and you get as far as Horsham. And then you hear those dreaded words, words that make the blood of any parent run cold on a road trip. I feel sick. And then suddenly there's unprecedented levels of barfing and it won't settle down. It's more than travel sickness. There's a fever too. This kid is sick. But you're at Horch, you're halfway there. Do you turn back or do you risk carrying on to your destination? Sure, they'll be fine, but it's much easier to care for a sick child at home. Well, Epaphroditus knew that if Paul went down, a significant factor in the news about Jesus going out would go down as well. So even though Epaphroditus got ill at some stage, without the backup of hospitals or people he knew to care for him, he didn't let that become a barrier to putting Paul's, putting Jesus' interests first. He was single-minded in his service, even if it meant him getting ill and dying. Epaphroditus' cut-off point for thinking, this is too inconvenient, this is all too hard, it wasn't just very high, it wasn't there at all. Like Jesus, he put others' interests even above saving his own life. It raises the question for us, at what point in serving Jesus, in serving each other, do we say, that's too hard, that's a step too far, that's too inconvenient, But well, we could say, I mean, wasn't Epaphroditus just an unusually zealous bloke? You know, wasn't he a bit on the extreme side? Well, Paul doesn't seem to think of him that way. Verse 29. So then welcome him in the Lord with great joy and honour people like him, because he almost died for the work of Christ. Epaphroditus didn't go out of his way to get sick. But when he did get sick, he didn't let him stop him doing his job because his primary concern was the advance of the gospel. Now, we're unlikely to face death 
in service of Jesus. But putting Jesus first will eat up our time. It could curtail our careers, lose us friends, disadvantage our children. It will mean the inconvenience and the great joy and honour of genuinely caring about a whole bunch of people you might have nothing in common with. Nothing in common except everything that really counts. For the last five minutes or so then, let's think about some practical ways that we can be putting each other's needs first. How we can be practically putting first. Remember, all of this is simply working out the salvation that we already have. And it's powered by the God who, when we catch even a glimpse of his glory and power and holiness, causes us fear and trembling in awe. And let me say, like Paul in verse 19, I am cheered when I receive news of you. I hear so many great stories of so many of you putting each other's and Jesus' interests above your own, often behind the scenes, unseen, praying for each other, meals, practical care, even just hanging out together, and lots and lots of phone calls. But if I'm honest, I'm also, like Paul in verse 28, a bit anxious. The coronavirus restrictions that are preventing us gathering on a Sunday morning haven't stopped us being church. In fact, I think it's really helped us to grow in other ways. But it has removed a big sort of safety net. That safety net where if you've been distracting from seeing or hearing from other Christians, from reading the Bible and praying, well, at least you're going to bump into some Christians on Sunday morning. That safety net of having the chance to care about someone else's interests above your own as you get to know them over morning tea or in the say good day time or as you serve together side by side. Right now, none of that is going to happen unless we proactively take steps to make it happen. And I'm anxious because while I get to know what my growth group is up to, and, and through Sharon, I get to know what the ladies' Bible study group is up to. I often don't know how many of you are going. So, after much research, deep thinking and insight, here is what I need us to do. Here is the profound step that is going to help me and you put Jesus' interests and the interests of others first. Phone people. Phone people in your growth group. Uh, men, call some other men. Mums of babies, call the other mums of babies. Retirees, call each other. Also, call people you haven't got much in common with at all. If you need an excuse, just tell them I made you call them. Now, if you're like me, right now you'll be feeling really uncomfortable at the idea of calling, cold calling someone, thinking that's going to be really awkward. What on earth will we talk about? Well, fear not. I've sought the advice of an expert. Someone who I know spends lots of each day on the phone. So Sharon, you spend loads of each day on the phone. Gas bagging. <laughs> for 
people like me who the idea of calling somebody fills them with dread and fear what are your top tips for us what do you talk about <laughs> well i i really don't like actually calling people up colleen really <laughs> i know it's unbelievable but i do i get tongue-tied and tongue-twisted but my top tips are first of all don't overthink it okay. secondly pray ask god to help you to speak words of encouragement and to be um, a blessing to whoever it is you're chatting with um, and thirdly just ask questions okay what kind of questions do you ask so oh the first question i'll ask is um are you able to talk right now because some people are really busy yeah, yeah. so that's always a good one to begin with and they'll say yes or no um, and the other is um how's your week been um, okay. so then people can good open just, question yeah and um, finally, if, if, yeah, I usually ask people um, how I can be praying for them because then you, you know what people are thinking and you know how to be um, encouraging them throughout the week. Fantastic. Um, yeah, and okay. sometimes I'll, I'll tell them what I need prayer for as well. <laughs> so is it okay to talk right now? Yeah. How's your week been? Yeah. How can I be praying for you? Yes. Yeah. I reckon we could all do that. Thanks, Sharon. Okay. Give it a go. Let's ask ourselves, am I seeking Jesus' interests first by putting the needs of others at church above my own, seeking to serve them and genuinely care about them? That's going to be really difficult to do if we never see or speak to each other. So we need to get on those phones. Look, if you haven't worked it out already, the default Australian life is busy. The way work and servicing our rent or mortgage, the way study, kids, school, sport, even retirement, the way all those things are set up means you're almost guaranteed to feel too busy for the rest of your life. The question is, busy for what? Busy for your own interests or busy for Jesus' interests? There are some th sinful things that make us busy that we just need to drop because they're in direct conflicts with Jesus' interests. But lots of what we are busy with can be opportunities to advance the gospel. Opportunities to shine like stars as we hold out the word of life forgetting our own interests and putting Jesus' interests first.